0: you're listening to Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exposition of scriptures. I'm your host and podcast preacher, Brandon Harrell. I'm the pastor of Bethesda Baptist Church in East Flat Rock, nestled here in the mountains of western North Carolina, where I've served for the past 10 years. I pray the podcast will bless your life as we study God's word together. Right, this is uh, Pastor Brandon Harrell. It's a joy to come to your place of listening again for another Standing in the Gap. And I'm excited today as we begin a new journey of Bible study and uh, starting in the Gospel according to Matthew. The Gospel according to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And it's in my heart uh, with this uh, to begin a study of the New Testament book by book and verse by verse here uh, in the Gospels and uh, following into the Epistles. Looking forward to this uh, as far as the Lord lets us go. And I don't know if this could be done in a lifetime, but it especially be difficult with 15 minutes per week. And so pray for me. I'm going to endeavor to try to uh, cover the verses of Scripture, to cover the Scriptures as, as thoroughly as I can, but also as quickly as I can so that we don't uh, uh, spend un- undue time Uh, And I know there's no such thing as undue time in the Scriptures. It deserves all the time that we can give it. But uh, in the context of a 15-minute segment per week, um, I need the Lord's help. Most of you know I'm long-winded, and so I need the Lord's help. But the Gospel according to Matthew. Um, and just want to give you a few things today by way of introduction of this book uh, before we really get down into the text. But I do want to read the first verse Uh, Here the scripture says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this is titled, in most Bibles, you'll find an inscription above the text that says the gospel according to St. Matthew. Now, that's not part of the inspired text itself. The truth is, the author of the gospel according to Matthew never identified himself uh, but as we come to this uh, this term gospel, uh, the word gospel translates the Greek word euangelion. And uh, we call it evangelion. And it simply means good news or good tidings. I was looking at the entomology of the word and the old English usage was God's spell. It referred to two things. It referred first of all to the blessed effects of the gospel on its hearers. Some call it a good spell. Some called it in that time a good spell. Uh, And the second connotation of the word was that it denotes a a narrative or a story. And uh, that's really what this is. This is God's story, God's narrative. And uh, I like the way that Adam Clark defines the word gospel in his introduction to the gospel of Matthew. This is what he says. He says, the whole doctrine of Jesus Christ comprised in the history of his incarnation, preaching, miracles, sufferings, death, resurrection, ascension, and the mission of the Holy Spirit, by which salvation was procured for a lost world, is found in this word. And that really is what the gospel is. Now, when we think of the gospels, we think, of course, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Three of those we refer to as synoptic, and we do that because they are very similar in the chronology and in the content in them. But then, of course, there's John's Gospel, which seems to be somewhat different than the other, includes a whole lot of content that isn't found in the other Gospels. But they are all four considered Gospels. But the truth is, there is but one Gospel. It's just four separate accounts of that same gospel, the story, God's story of the redemption that is found in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Matthew, it's been agreed virtually unanimously, is the author of this gospel record. Some purport that it was written originally in Hebrew and then translated into Greek and from that into English, but the evidence... Um for such a, for such a uh, a notion is best, at the very best, it's scarce. Uh, it seems that the inspired penman, uh, Matthew, or also known as Levi, did write this gospel in the common Greek of his day. Now Matthew was so, the fact that Matthew was selected for the writing of a gospel is further evidence of the authenticity of it. Of course, Matthew was a publican before he was converted. And that would have been cause among the Jews for real hesitancy in receiving his account. His conversion then must have been so radical that no one doubted what he was telling them when he wrote this account. He records his own conversion in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9. There we read, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, "...he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, "'Follow me,' and he arose and followed him.'" What what an amazing thing. Now, this tells us a few things. It's obvious, then, that Matthew had previously heard of Jesus. No doubt he'd been aware of his miracles and some of the things that had transpired, and no doubt he had heard of this man named Jesus. No doubt he had been inquisitive as to who he was and what he was doing. And when the Lord Jesus came by where Matthew was collecting taxes from the Jews and said, follow me, there was no hesitancy in his heart. He arose, uh, sat down, his, uh, he, he, he sat up from his money changers table and he followed after the Lord Jesus. And uh, my, what a, what a thing to be thought. Now, as a tax collector, This would have been a lucrative business. He would have probably been well off. Now, we read of a man named Zacchaeus in Luke's gospel account, and he tells us that when Zacchaeus got right with the Lord, he had to make a vow to go and return what he had taken unfairly. We don't see that from Matthew, so uh, some assume that he probably wasn't as crooked as other publicans. But the problem with the publicans were they were Jews by birth. But they were considered traitors to their country because they spent their lives in collecting harsh taxes from the Jewish people to give under the Roman Empire. But they did that because the more they collected, the more they made. And so Matthew was probably living a life of luxury, very lucrative business. And when the Lord Jesus came by and said, follow me, He laid down that that job, he laid down that career, he laid aside all that he had and went after the Lord to follow him for the next three and a half years in what would seem to be abject poverty, not having a place to to stay, going about and traveling and all that would uh, be involved in following the Lord. And uh, I just want to remind us just briefly today, It's still that way to an extent when we get saved by the grace of God. Now, when an individual gets saved, we don't have to quit our job necessarily. If we're doing some uh, sinful job, we should. But uh, on on the normal uh, way of things, that's not required of us. But what is required is that if a man will come after me, Jesus said, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. And there is a cost to the following of Christ. It does cost us something. It costs us our sin. It costs us ourselves as we go after the Lord with all that we have. And that's what happened in the life of this man by the name of Matthew or Levi. We learned that immediately after he was converted, he held a feast in his house to announce his new path and to introduce his new master to his friends. Luke gives us more details of that account, and uh, he says it like this in chapter 5 of his gospel, verses 29 to 32. He writes And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so immediately upon following the Lord, Levi, or Matthew, is interested in the evangelization of his peers. He wants them to know the same Lord that he knows. So he holds a feast to bring that about, that they might be introduced to the Lord Jesus. And it's an amazing thing that that happens in the life of every individual who's saved, Once we recognize that we're sinners, come to the Lord in faith, believing upon him after hearing the gospel. It is the desire of every born-again believer to then take that same gospel to the world. That's part of the commission that's given us, even here in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's exactly what Matthew was interested in doing And my, what a job he's done of it is as now we are reading his account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Matthew was converted in a radical way uh, in the sense that Jesus said, follow me, and he got up and left all of of his old life behind and followed the Lord. Now in Matthew's gospel, the focus is on the kingship of Christ. He begins with a genealogy, which is meant to show Jesus is right, To the throne through the lineage of his adopted father Joseph. The genealogy given in Luke chapter 3 is that of Jesus' mother Mary. It too includes David, but goes all the way back to Adam. This is done because Luke's emphasis is Jesus' human nature. He presents Christ as the Son of Man, while Mark highlights his servanthood. And John sets out at the beginning of his gospel to demonstrate the deity of Christ. He is the Son of God, the Word incarnate. Matthew, in his emphasis of the kingship of Christ, in proving Christ's sovereign right to the throne of David, tells us of the Magi and their visit to honor the newborn king. He then tells us of the jealousy of Herod, who believed Jesus to be a rival monarch. It is Matthew who records the son of uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the parables of the kingdom. This is his emphasis throughout this gospel, and we'll see that as we go. So we have in Matthew the gospel of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Matthew is said to have died a martyr for the cause of his Messiah by decapitation. He went the way of all the other apostles with the exception of Of John the Beloved. Uh, Of course, John, uh, the author of the gospel that bears his name, was exiled. They tried to martyr him, but it didn't work. The Lord uh, spared his life. But Matthew died a martyr. He died believing that the Lord Jesus had died and risen again and proclaiming that, and he would not denounce that even unto death. Some say, well, men may die for something they believe so strongly, and that's true. But I'm telling you, men will not die for something they know to be a lie. Matthew was willing to lay his life down because he believed with all his heart what he had seen and what he had heard and what he knew to be true, that this man, Jesus, was God incarnate, had come to this earth and lived and performed miracles and preached, and then was crucified on an old rugged cross, died, was buried, and rose again the third day. Matthew believed it. Now the next time, we'll begin to delve into the text of the Gospel of Matthew and begin to study these first 17 verses, the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Till then, it's been Pastor Brandon. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, you can find our church's website at www.bethesdabaptisteastflatrock.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at PreacherB underscore BBC. If you'd like to watch our services live streamed, you can do that on Facebook at Bethesda Baptist East Flat Rock. God bless you till we meet again.